Tonight's Bible reading comes from Matthew 7, 24 to 29. The wise and foolish builders. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall, because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the wind blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had the authority and not as their teachers of the law. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Thank you so much, Annalise. There's a couple of things I possibly should have mentioned. And uh, first and foremost uh, is we're having a baptism service next week. So we will be having two baptisms in the evening and I always get excited about baptisms so uh, make sure you come along or if you think there's someone who would benefit from being part of a baptismal service and hearing the testimonies and why we baptise people, uh, please invite them along, it'd be great to gather together and do that. But uh, this evening we're going to be looking at um, uh, well, the conclusion of the part of Matthew which is called the Sermon on the Mount. So uh, this evening we'll wrap that part of it up. Uh, we will continue in Matthew a little bit later in the year. We're going to be beginning a series on uh, the 21 days of prayer for revival, but uh, we will come back to Matthew. But um, what we're looking at tonight is possibly one of those stories where everyone who has gone to kids' church, Sunday school, whatever you want to call it, uh, will be very much aware of because of that little song that we used to sing about the wise man who built the house upon the rock. And now I want to take the opportunity to apologise to you all who are going to have that song going round and round in your head uh, for the duration of this service and perhaps for a lot longer. But what we need to keep in mind, as I said last week, is that this message that is being spoken by Jesus is being spoken to those who claim to be his followers. And he is again calling to attention that there will be people who have the appearance of faith, that do, seem to do the right things and seem to live the right way, but the reality is they aren't really following Jesus. And last week's passage revealed that there will be people who by their words or declarations will say that they are Christians, but in reality they aren't. And on that day, when they stand in God's presence in glory, Jesus will say to these people, Depart from me, I never knew you. And the same judgment will come to pass on the people that Jesus is referring to in this passage tonight. These are people who have heard all Jesus has said, but they haven't willingly obeyed Jesus' call on their lives. And this is the big danger for the church today. There's so many people who come to join the club, if you like. They want to be a part of the church. They want to be engaged with people here. They get to know some people. Their behavior changes. Their language changes. They're accepted. But no one really ever asks them if they've accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. No one's willing to challenge them with that. 
And unless they can answer that question, unless they make that declaration and step, they're not going to be going to glory. They're not going to be a part of heaven. They're not really obeying Jesus. And if nothing changes in their lives, if they're not confronted with the reality and truth of Jesus Christ and their need for a saviour, they will face eternal separation from God. Let's pray. Father God, I, I want to thank you again for the truth of your word. I want to thank you for how you speak to us through it, how you challenge us. And so, Lord, tonight, I, I just pray for exactly that. I pray that you'll open our ears, open our eyes to hear and see what you have to say. But God, I pray so much more than that. I pray that we will be a people who put this stuff in place, a people who obey you, a people who pursue you with their very lives, Lord. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to just encourage you that when you read the scriptures and when Jesus is using metaphors, to actually go with those metaphors. Try and wrestle with why is that metaphor being used because you can get a wider understanding of what Jesus is trying to say um, when he uses these metaphors, if you understand what he's saying in those metaphors as well. He's trying to get us to understand a foundational principle here and in this case that's literal, the foundational principle. But he's going to speak in terms that the majority would understand and the vast majority of people will know that if you want to secure a home, if you want a home that's going to stand the test of time, then you have to have a good foundation. A foundation is something that is not seen, but it's imperative. It's absolutely essential that you have a sound foundation or the house that is built on that foundation. It'll look great. It'll look good. But over a period of time, that's going to deteriorate and that house could fall. So in our scripture reading this evening, we know that there is two houses. And as we get into this... Um, we need to remember that Jesus is speaking to those who've claimed to be his followers. So when he speaks about these two houses, I find it very interesting because on the surface we could assume that these two houses don't appear any different. They've both been built by builders who are possibly very skilled builders and in appearance they are basically the same. There's no distinction between the two. There's nothing drawn in Scripture to say that they are different. And it's safe to say that Outwardly, they'd appear much the same. And this fits exactly where the story is headed. This is about the lives of two people. And, and Jesus says that they're very similar. They have the appearance of the same thing. And in this case, they're two builders. So the ability of these two builders is quite likely the same as well. They're possibly both fine craftsmen. And it's the same when we're seeking the difference between a true Christian and a false Christian. The differences are not immediately obvious, especially at this time in history. Yet regardless of how these appear, regardless of how the two appear, one is destined for eternity with Christ and the other to eternal condemnation. And Jesus again will say to them, depart from me for I never knew you. But when we're thinking about this story of the two builders, we know that there are differences. We know that um, there's some things that need to be addressed. And firstly, we are told about the wise builder. And as, as indicated, the differences are not readily seen. I've, I've already said that. But they are there. And the consequences of these differences are huge. And of course, we know the differences that are found 
in, uh, found in what the houses are actually resting on. And both the wise and the foolish men heard Jesus' words, but only one heard and then did what Jesus said. And that's the big difference. Jesus says, everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the wise builder took the harder route. When we compare the same account as told in Luke, we see that there's a few additional details there. We see that this guy actually dug deep. He laid his foundation on the rock and it was very hard work to get there. He didn't take the easy route. And he, he did, what he did involved blood, sweat and tears. He had to work hard to get down to that foundation. And if you remember, we could say this same guy is the guy who entered by the narrow gate and the difficult path. The wise builder chooses to build on the one true foundation. And 1 Corinthians tells us, For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. We don't build the foundation, it's already laid, it's in the completed work of Jesus Christ on the cross. But like the wise builder, we elect to start with that, we elect to start with that foundation. And all we do, everything we do, should be established on that pure foundation. Our lives are built on Jesus, we're committed to Him, we obey Him, we get to know Him through reading the Word, through praying, through fellowshipping together, all the things that Jesus tells us to do. And everything, everything we do on this earth is constantly building. And we're easily, either building on the true foundation, the sure foundation, or we're building on another foundation. So the question is, are we like the wise builder? Is what we read, what we allow ourselves to hear, the conversations we become a part of, what we watch on Netflix and on TV, the movies we go to see at the cinemas, our ambitions, our imaginations, are all of those things being built on the foundation of the Lord Jesus Christ? Or do we think they're separate? Do we think they're something else? Because if we think they're something else, if we think they're separate, we're no longer building on the foundation of Christ. We're building on another foundation. A foundation which is not good. So question, is all we do honouring Jesus? Because if it's not, we're a bit like the foolish builder. It's interesting, but I don't think too many people would be willing to admit they're a foolish builder. But foolish builders take shortcuts. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house upon the sand. I think the vast majority of you are well aware that I've been to Israel and uh, when we were heading down towards the Dead Sea, um, we were travelling along this highway and, and there was these magnificent cliffs off to the side. And uh, I happened to mention to our guide, I said, wow, I said, those cliffs, I said, aren't they amazing? He said, yeah, he said, um, they, they look quite good, don't they? He said, historically, people used to actually cut into that rock. And he said, they used to build there because it was easy to cut into that. They said it was like sandstone, or so they thought. But what actually happens once a year, they get about 480 mils of rain in that area and it builds up behind the face of these sand cliffs. It's actually sand. 
And when it collapses, it's not just the house that collapses, it's the entire face of this sand cliff. And that highway gets blocked every year as a result of this collapse. It's a catastrophic failure. And so every time I read this now, that's exactly what I think of. These people who historically built into cliffs in Israel and these rains that came, and it's just a catastrophic failure. This guy built on the sand. He wasn't ready, he wasn't willing, he wasn't even bothered to take the time to establish a house that was going to last. He wasn't willing to build on that firm foundation. He's shallow like his foundation, but his house went up quick. He had a result very, very well, and it looked as good as the guy who built on the solid foundation. It looked good, but there was a problem. There was no foundation. And it looked as good as the wise man's, but ultimately, it will be revealed for what it really is. His house is only good for the short term, if it even lasts long at all. There is definitely nothing that will last into eternity because he has not established his life in Christ. The house looks like the other. So this person hangs with the Christians, he goes to the church, he sings the songs, he speaks like a Christian, he reads the Bible, and for all intents and purposes, most would say he is a Christian. But the problem is he's just a fan. He's not in the game. He's not playing his role and part. The wise builder had to put in some hard work. It took time. It took sacrifice. It took effort. It took energy. It took pain. The foolish builder doesn't want any of that. He wants to take the easy path. He isn't willing to count the cost. It's simply too much work to get to the rock. Let's face it, there's so many other good things in the world we can enjoy along the way. Hey, you only live once. Jesus' way is hard and narrow. Isn't life meant to be easy? And it all seems okay until the storm comes. We have these two houses which appear the same. We have two builders with the same skills and perhaps one storm that hits the two houses or storms of the same ferocity. And so in 725, we hear that the rain fell, the floods came, the winds blew and beat upon the house, but it did not fall because it was founded on the rock. And then the neighbor, the rain fell, the floods came, the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and great was its fall. It was total destruction, total devastation. Every house is going to be tested, perhaps in this life, but definitely in the next. When the sun is out, when there's no wind, everything seems fine. When there are no troubles, both houses appear to be the same. But when the rain comes, the wind and the waves, the inefficiencies will come to light. And I'm sure you're aware that when we look in Scripture, when it speaks about the storms, the winds, the floods, they represent the troubles of life and the hardships that we're all going to face. The storms that hit both houses. Think about that. We like to pray for God's protection. We like to think that we're separated from the rest of the world. The storms hit both houses. The believers aren't spared. We aren't exempt from the troubles and heartache of being human. We experience it the same as everyone else. It comes against us the same as everyone else. There's not a less mortality rate for Christian people. 
But we as believers, although we're not protected from that or from the stress and strain of life, we have God with us. He will never leave us, never forsake us. I know I point to these guys often, but I want you to think about Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. They were thrown into that fiery furnace. God didn't take them away from that. God actually met them in the midst of that furnace. I want you to think about Daniel in the lion's den. And again, he wasn't taken away from that. He was actually lowered into the lion's den. And that's when God actually met him. I want you to think about the people of Israel and the guys carrying the Ark of the Covenant when they come to the edge of the Jordan River, the Jordan River in flood. God didn't throw wide the waters for them until they walked into those floodwaters. God meets each and every one of us in the midst of our troubles, in the midst of our storms, in the midst of the anxiety and the heartache. He will be with us. He will never leave us, never forsake us. The storms that will come against us and the temptations we face, we can endure them if we're established on the firm foundation of the Lord Jesus Christ. The storms come in the midst of material loss. Are we so established on the foundation of Christ that we'll consider all that we had was his anyway? And if we lost it, well, that's on him. It's not on us. And we could say just as Job did, well, the Lord has given and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. If the storms come in the death of a loved one, How do we handle that? Well, while I was preparing this message, um, I, I, I came across the account of an elderly, humble pastor who went to comfort a friend and congregational member who had lost a loved one. And that friend had no time for God. He, his wife was the Christian. And when the pastor told the man that if he turned to God, that God would be, be with him in the midst of his loss, the man asked the pastor if he had ever lost a wife. And when the pastor said no, the man said, well, you have no idea what you're talking about. Why don't you wait till you have the sorrow that I have through the loss of my wife and then we'll see if Jesus meets your needs. Unbeknownst to either of them, the pastor's wife was tragically killed six months later. And the pastor stood by his wife's coffin to speak and he said, some six months ago, I tried to comfort a grieving husband, but I failed. He said, I didn't know what I was talking about. Is he here today? And the man stood up. And the pastor then continued, My friend, I know today. I'm in the midst of sorrow like your sorrow. And I want to tell you that while my heart is broken, I find his grace sufficient. I find his hand holds me and steadies me. I find my skies are bright as the promises of God and that underneath are the everlasting arms. Sir, build your life on the rock of ages. What a powerful testimony. What a powerful truth. When the storms come against you, will your foundation be enough? I'm not sure if Jesus has ever been referred to in these terms. But in light of this story, I think he is the building inspector, isn't he? 
It's the building inspector who has the final word on the houses. And Jesus has the final word on how we have lived our life on this earth. Jesus knows the way of salvation and he clearly teaches it. He points to the narrow gate which leads to the hard way, which ultimately ends in life eternal with him. He speaks clearly about the type of house and the foundation that is required if it's going to be able to withstand the storms of life. And it's Jesus who has the ultimate authority. And we're told that when Jesus finished these sayings, the crowds were astonished at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as their scribes. We're told that those who heard Jesus were astonished at his teaching. Jesus spoke with passion and authority. He did so because he is the Son of God. He is truly God and he is the perfect man. His words are certain and true. He can be trusted because he cannot lie and he will never deceive us. Only Jesus. He alone. The one sure foundation. He's the cornerstone. He has all authority in heaven and earth. But is he your foundation? And that's the question, isn't it? These words are not put in the Bible so we can ignore them. Jesus has them here, so we will be prompted to examine ourselves. It's not to be beat over the head by, but we should examine ourselves. Think about where you stand with Jesus. Do you have faith in Jesus Christ and do you do what he says? I know some will say they have faith, but are you being obedient? That's the real question here. Are you doing what Jesus tells you to do? Is the foundation you're building your life on sure? Is it Jesus and Jesus alone? You may be attending church. You may be watching online. But if Jesus is not your foundation, you're building on a wrong foundation. And you're not going to heaven. Scripture says that so very clearly. You can be baptized. You can be a good person. You can be incredibly religious. You can know the Bible inside out and back to front. You can be generous. None of it matters if Jesus is not the foundation of your life. And he refers back to that saying. If he's not the one true foundation in your life, on that day, he will say, depart from me. I never knew you. You may say that you follow Jesus, but do you to get distracted by other things? And are those other things of God honouring? Because again, if they're not, you're building on a poor foundation. Tonight, you may sense the prompting of Holy Spirit to do something. If you walk out of here tonight without doing that, are you obeying God or are you being disobedient again? Your foundation will be tested in a time of trial, on the day of judgment, right here, right now by you that's the way it should be you should test it Paul says in 2 Corinthians 13 5 examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith test yourselves or do you not realize this about yourselves 
that Jesus Christ is in you. Unless, of course, you fail to meet the test. What is your foundation? What is your life built on? Is your trust in the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross and that alone? Or is it something else? Are you entering via the narrow gate and the hard way? That means you put in the time, you read the Bible, you pray, you make Jesus the purpose or number one priority of your life. If he's not, why not? This is the only life we get. This is the only chance we have. When you mess up, because we're all human, we're going to, I do. When you mess up though, do you come back to Jesus? Do you humble yourself before him? Do you repent and ask for his forgiveness and then get up to walk with him once more and moving forward in obedience to him in your life? Is Jesus, his person, his commandments, his promises, the mainstay of your life? And are you each and every day turning more and more to Jesus, moving away from the things of the world and that which would draw and attract you and moving closer and closer to him? Is Jesus truly the centre of your life? Let's pray. Father, I want to thank you first and foremost for the gift of the Lord Jesus Christ and I want to thank you for that day when you opened my heart, my eyes to the reality of who Jesus was. And I thank you, Lord, that he died in my place. He took my sin upon himself and you revealed that to me. And I thank you that I have life and life eternal with you. And I thank you that Jesus Christ is the one sure, firm foundation. I need nothing else. And Lord, if I can ask you one thing, I just pray everyone who hears my voice will know that truth, that Jesus is the one sure foundation. And that Lord, if they have any doubts, they'll come and talk to me, they'll talk to a trusted Christian friend. Lord, they'll be on their knees before you. Establish us in the faith Lord soften our hearts towards you break our hearts for what breaks yours and Lord please by your grace continue the great work you've started here at SDBC and allow us to become a people who are united who are one who want to see your name proclaimed and your kingdom grown in Jesus name Amen.